Today's show brought to you in part by our friends from the Adelphi Racing Club. The Adelphi Racing Club performance of the week comes from Kaza Creed. We're going to be talking about him a lot more later in the show. What an experience that was, watching him get down on his belly and win the four-star Dave, punching his ticket to the Breeders' Cup the other day. As for Adelphi, it's been a great summer up here. So fun having a runner with them. Gem Mint 10 running so well for us the other week. This is a partnership of like-minded individuals that have a lot of fun at the races. And even me, somebody who's been handicapping forever, have learned so much being part of the team. The vibes are great. If you're looking to get involved in ownership, I can't recommend anyone better than Adelphi Racing to get started with. To learn more, go to AdelphiRacing.com. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players Podcast. This is our early week show, Tuesday, August 15th. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you from the Little House on the East Side once again. And joining me from across town, we bring in a man who uh, you've heard on these airwaves over the years. You see him on Fox's uh, America's Day at the races. Jonathan Kinchin, how are you, my friend? PTF, I'm good. Uh, dark day, didn't leave the house yesterday. It's like, it's, it's one of those deals about Sunday, sometimes Sunday, you start telling yourself, I'm not leaving the house on Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> and then, uh, and that's exactly what it leads to. So um, I'm at the point for me, you know, I always say that. And then you get the call from I'm in town. I'm only here two days. And I mean, I, I went so far last night to go to a gathering and bring non-alcoholic beer for myself because it's just like, I just, I have just passed the point in my life where I can drink 50 days in a row. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I went, I did, uh, I did, I went dry uh, day two of the sale, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I, 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 I jumped off the wagon uh, <laughs> aggressively on Sunday, but <laughs> Yeah, but what I went to there. What was the Sunday? What was the Sunday situation? So we we uh, Jovanine had a couple friends in town um, at the sale uh, at the sale after party. Johnny Velasquez and his wife um, convinced my wife that we should go salsa dancing um, <laughs> at, at Latin night. And so all week, that's all I've heard about is how Sunday night we're going salsa dancing. Jovanine oh, was like, God. she was not going to let go of it, and uh, and so. On Sunday, I even texted Johnny to hope that Johnny was saying that they weren't going to go so that I could <laughs> plant the seed to my wife that if Johnny's not going, are you sure you still want to go? And Johnny was like, yep, we're going. Next thing you know, we've got 30 people on the corner at Salivo. Um, you know, it was our group and then Johnny and Javier and Junior and their wives. And uh, it just turned into this big thing. And then we all went to Putnam Den for, for Latin night. And we did a good hour, hour and a half there. Um, how was your, your form? I want to hear what, what, you know, were you getting some positive comments? Oh, I did a great job standing off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, like, like a horse that can't stand up on, on, you know, turf or dirt. I was curious how you would fare uh, in, in, in a sauce. Oh no, oh no, no, no. I got, I do not have a turf hoof at all. So <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can fake it. I can, you know, I, I I'm the guy like in the club, I can like kind of sway with rhythm. And I can kind of, I can kind of two step with rhythm, just, you know, have put a little, put a little something into it, but I'm not out there like doing moves and things. Shaking it. Yeah. But it was fun <laughs> though. 
it, it was it was actually I've never I've never been before. It, I mean, it's a it's like a whole another world. It was really cool though. It was fun. That's very cool. A lot of backstretch folks, I, I would assume, uh, check that out. That's really cool. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, if, if it was, that's exactly what it was. I saw you know a couple of riders. Saw Ricardo Santana. He was holding court, and um, like I said, Johnny was was there. So that was always fun too. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was a. It, but that's what that's what that's what uh, led to not leaving the house yesterday. I see. I see. There were beverages. There there were some beverages. What, what was one? What does one drink at uh, at at this night? I think I had a tequila soda. Okay. Just the one? Uh, yes. I just, I, 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 I took my time with that one there at, uh, at Latin Night. And if you believe that, folks, I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> so, well, we, we hadn't planned on talking about this, but I, I'm very confident we, we should, especially because it has a happy ending. Speaking of you and jockeys, got a little bit of a uh, kerfuffle last week for, for half a second. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, um, that was that was you know it started off as extremely annoying, um, and I typically would have ignored it, but for whatever reason the algorithm grabbed uh, Joey and Joey and I are fine now, but grabbed Joey's story. Tell tell it from the beginning for folks that are not who, who blissfully are not on Twitter. Okay, so back at Belmont there was a Belmont first time starter who had this jockey and I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just being honest. I follow Naira and I pay attention to Naira basically only had this jockey. I had like never really heard of named on a first time starter. If I'm not mistaken with a B plus workout. So I like basically part of my talking point when they threw it to me was, you know, a lot of times these, these, these trainers will throw riders who do a lot of work for them in the morning or are getting started a bone and let them ride a good horse that will get them a win, kind of get them going, kind of a thank you for all the work you've done for me in the morning. And so when I was making that point, I pointed out that I felt like this horse was still alive, despite the fact that there was a jockey that you or I or the other guy might not know. And in making that point, I said, quote, a relatively unknown, I said, not overly successful. Look, I understand he 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 was you know looking for some motivation. I'm, I I have no issue with the fact that that's a tough job and him getting started and and I understand his frustration thinking that like someone on TV is like saying that he's not successful, which he felt was a setback for him. But I also tried to make the point publicly when I responded and privately when I reached out to him that like, look, man, like, dude, you're one for seventy eight this year. You're, you're seven for 275 since 2020, you know, and even in his original tweet, he said like, maybe I don't have 2000 wins. I've never won a graded stake. I've, I don't have a good agent. Um, I've never, you know, I don't have 2000 wins. He was basically pointing out what I was pointing out that like, he's not to the level of success in his career that he wants. And so basically like the, the problem is, is that Twitter is just is stupid. And so, as soon as I, as soon as he put the tweet out looking for motivation, the algorithm grabbed it. Then everyone started acting like I was bullying him. So then that's the only reason I responded is like, I wasn't bullying him. Like I was just saying that like, look, Let's, dude, you, know what it is. you know what it is? It's a game of telephone. He didn't hear, I guarantee you, he didn't hear your original comments. Somebody said to him, you know, that phrase, not overly successful. That's not, doesn't sound so bad, but when, somebody then tells him oh dude this guy on tv said you were unsuccessful and he's like holy cow unsuccessful maybe i'm struggling a little bit in my career but i've done all these things don't you think it's that it's snowballed it's like he didn't 
that's what I think happened. I, I don't think. No, I think, of course. Yeah. And, and, and so, and with that, I, you know, then I start to have, you know, obviously in a perfect world, he, he checks himself, but, but you know how it is. You hear things. This has happened. This happened to me recently with something stupid I saw on Twitter. I just went off. I, I just got, I didn't post about it, but I just got so mad and you know, you, you lash out and a lot of people, you know, they, they just go right to the, to the keyboard. So. Right. You know, and like, it really, it was just like, it was an excuse for the handful of people that, you know, are just waiting for me to do something wrong. Like want to be mad at me about something anyways. It's just like an excuse for them to like jump on board and like say something stupid. Yes. Um, it really okay. just allowed me to fire away that, 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 uh, that block button a little bit just on some, some <laughs> idiot. But like basically I DM'd him privately and I said, look, man, like you, I, I wasn't trying to, to put you down. I was act, I picked your, I picked the horse that you were on. Yes. And, and basically I said, I'm sure you're extremely successful in life as a man and as a, as a husband or a partner or a father or a son or a sibling, you know, I'm just saying, and you'll agree with me based on your, your, what you said that you're not at the point of your career success wise that you want to be. And I just made that point. He agreed. And then he, I, and then he posted like, you know, that we're good now. So it's fine. It was just, just like more, when, mo- most of the time when people say dumb stuff on Twitter, I ignore it. Like there's someone who continues to say dumb stuff on Twitter because they so desperately want me to respond that I'm not going to, like, I'm just going to keep ignoring dumb people who say dumb stuff. But this was something that I didn't want people to think that I was trying to put this, this young guy in his career down. So I so the other thing I think is important here, and I'll be honest, originally I was, I was pretty negative about him. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't originally seeing the big picture and I was just like, eh, what's this guy complaining about meeting, meeting Joey. But then the more I thought about it, like, and this is an issue, you know, you've done shows about like the mental health stuff is real. And, you know, clearly this tapped into insecurity and things that could be, you know, really negative for, for anybody in the business. So I, I like that you reached out, not just to clarify for the dopes on there who were responding in the thread, but because you respect how hard these guys work and how hard the life can be. And, you know, your job is as an analyst and to give betters info they know. And, but, you know, again, it's like, I think it just comes down to a misunderstanding. It would be jerky to say, oh, this guy's unsuccessful. Obviously that's not what you said. If you listen in the, in the context, but I feel like the, the clearing it up and being able to talk about this stuff and come to some sort of understanding is good in the big, in the big picture of life. Is that fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, and like, I don't, and, and it's funny because like, I, I don't really ever have any, I've never really had any issues with riders. Like I've never, you know, I mean, I've never, I've just never had issues. I got asked to be on that documental health panel. And like, I even said that during that, like, I, I'm not the type of person on air who goes off on the riders. And so when a rider kind of came at me sideways a little bit, as if I was doing something, if I was being mean, it, it was a little bit frustrating because like that's not even how I get down you know what I mean um so it is what it is I'm very glad you came to an understanding have you seen him since have you had a chance oh, I don't, no 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 I, have, I never I've no I, I mean I, and this is this is also me not trying to be ugly I wouldn't know what he looked like if I saw him if I saw him I don't you know what I mean I don't I'm not and I don't mean that in a in a mean way I just I don't I don't I don't know what he would look I don't I've never seen him really well, I hope the story. Uh, I hope the story ends with him, you know, going on some some big run and uh, and 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 you high fiving him on the way to the winner's circle because it's uh, absolutely 
that's that's how I want to see it end. Let's talk about some of the races from last weekend, my friend. You you actually said before you've been mostly paying attention to to New York. Did you look at the Did you look at the Arlington stuff at all down at uh, down at Colonial Downs? Uh, not really. I mean, I the the extent of it was on Sunday morning. I wanted to go and watch TurfWorks. Uh, we had some friends in town, so that's the best day to go to the backside is when they have TurfWorks. So at nine forty-five on the Oklahoma, like big horses work on the turf, and it's just it's just a it's kind of a it's a more fun time to kind of get back there. And so um, I didn't want to bother like a trainer who you know has got a million things going on in the morning and doesn't need to answer my questions about are they working on the turf. So I text John Panagot, who would know because his riders. Manny Franco or Florent Giroux would be having turf workers, you know, they'd be, so they would know. So I'll just bother JP. So I text JP, um, are they working on the turf this morning? He said, yes. And I said, wow, guy wins the Arlington million and they can't respond more than one word. Um, <laughs> so that, that was the extent of my knowledge of what went down in, in Virginia. Well, oh, well, and man. then uh, Javier Castellano said that it was one of the worst flights he's ever had back on a private plane, like, like talking turbulence. So that's, that's all I know. Well, set piece for Giroux did get the job done in the Arlington Million, a hundred buyer speed figure, a horse I know a lot of people within the sound of my voice have uh, chased over the years. This was a terrific setup, a very good ride, gets the job done, coming from last, winning by two in the end, scoring at, uh, scoring at five and a half to one. I tried to get too cute and was messing around with the other piece in there, Masterpiece, who ended up going off at a horribly overbet seven to one and not firing. One of those things where, you know, if you look at the race two minutes before, you probably come up with a very different opinion of looking at it, uh, looking at it from, from two days out from my point of view. But yeah, I'm not, you know, look, it, it, uh, Santine last year's winner was second. Adamo runs third. I love the fact that the Arlington Millions back. I think Colonial is a great home for it. I look forward to future years where it can be built up to the sort of grade one plus race it was for many years when we got all that uh, all that foreign participation. Have to shout out Fevrover, who's just been so good, um, both in her career overseas and since she came here. Uh, three to five she was in the end. She's pretty much allowed to, to, to walk and crush in the Beverly D punching her ticket for the Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Turf 99 buyer speed figure good performance and a horse that you know I could see continuing to be a, a player in this division going forward I mean we'll see what ends up coming over from overseas we'll see what ends up uh, heading to that spot from the Chad Brown barn but Feverover certainly no joke JK she's a fast horse with uh, with some no, real class absolutely and 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 I'll tell you this too uh thinking about Fev Rover and, and winning that grade one and, 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 and I'll give, even though he's a disaster on Twitter, I'll give him some credit for, for, I think I saw him say this first, but Ed DeRosa kind of pointed out that like Javier Castellano is a Travers away from having a serious conversation about having, getting another eclipse award. Mm-hmm. He just had such a great year. You know, if you win the Derby, you win the Belmont, you, you win a couple of others, sprinkle in some other grade ones along the way. Um, you know, have a, have a handful of wins, stay healthy and then pull off something like the Travers for his seventh Travers, um, you know, barring some unbelievable run from, from Irad or, or Joel or, or Jose. I mean, he's right there in the conversation, you know, just for, he, he's, he's never going to have all the wins that Jose and Irad are going to have. Um, he's not going to have the accumulation of, of graded stakes, but when you can, at this point of his career, if you can if you can chip away all of those kind of big races like he's been doing, I mean he'll be there for the conversation. I think. 
I think that's an excellent point. And we'll also, oh, you go ahead. And one more point I wanted to make, we skipped over. On JK plus one, when I had Florent Giroux, it, I asked him, you know, obviously there's gun runners and there's Monomoy girls, but like, who's your kind of sneaky favorite horse ever? And he didn't even hesitate to say set piece. He said, if he could, he goes, he said, if, if he had land, he would do everything in his power to convince uh, the folks at, at Judmont to let him keep set piece. He loves set piece. <laughs> That's um, great. He said he would steal him. He said, he goes, if I had, if I had land, I'd, I'd steal the horse. <laughs> While we're shouting out Javi, he also got it done with Gigante, the three-year-old in the secretariat. And this one put confidently right on top on our preview show by Jess Paquette at the 23 to one. Have a nice day. Uh, Gigante just getting up over Nagarok in that one. Silver knot, my pick disappointing again. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe he was too close. I wanted him to have more of a classic Jamie Spencer holdup ride. That is the trip that the winner got. But I don't know. I'm kind of getting tired of his act, even with as successful as, you know, all these Appleby shippers have been over here. Is it is it time for me to draw up some papers with silver knot potentially, JK? Yeah, I mean, I think you should go, you should reach out to a lawyer and <laughs> tell him that you're thinking about divorce. But I think what you want to do is be careful because as soon as he gets forgotten, it, right. it's, it's a price situation. I think you want yes. to do with him. Oh, that's I think smart. that when he's, when he's bet, I think you want to let him beat you, but when he's not bet, you don't want to let him beat you. You, you know, you don't want him to go off at six to one or seven to one in the jockey club derby or whatever that might be, because he just keeps banging his head against the wall. And then he get, then he breaks through with perfect circumstances, but if they continue to treat him like he's two to one or three to one, then yeah, I think you just, you just suck it up and let him beat you. But yeah, I would go ahead and reach out to, uh, to an attorney. Get it in place. Get it in place, but don't go. Don't go crazy. Uh, you know, don't don't go for the notary just yet. Some will accuse me of a host fail for not starting with this one. This horse, so cool, on his way to becoming a true Saratoga legend. Casa Creed shows so much class and so much late pace in just getting down on his belly and running down Annapolis in the lane to score as the second choice. This was a horse I thought might be bet into even money. Um, and my thought going into the race, I was just a little bit, I understood the case that Nick Tamaro and others had that this was Annapolis and, and you know, he was going to get this better trip and he'd been out of position the last time. I was a little bit worried heading in about Annapolis, you know, losing a little bit of his early speed in the two previous runs. And Gerard Ortiz does an amazing job getting that speed back. But if you notice, he did have to work. He did have to ask the horse. And I do think that maybe took a little bit of the sting out of his finish and was one of the reasons why Casa Creed, in indeed to just, you know, how good Casa Creed is on, on the square, was able to run him down in the end. I mean, it looked like a two-horse pace race on paper. That's exactly how it played out. I know you have a complex history with Casa Creed. Were you with or against heading into this spot? No, I was with. I picked him. Um, you know, look, I, I was one of those people that thought Annapolis – I thought Annapolis needed to go out there, get loose, go 23, 46, hope to suck Casa Creed along and kind of take a little sting out of him. I thought that was the way that he could win, make it a stamina match. He's never going to have the turn of foot that Casa Creed has. But I will say this. I, I, have a, I, have, I actually have a 900 thoughts on Casa Creed. The first one is – and I said this on TV. At the half-mile pole – and I was sitting with, um, with, with, with Tom Amos, so obviously he's, he's watched a lot of races because he's won a lot of races, he's trained a lot of races. At the half-mile pole, half pole, he was in trouble. At the three-eighths pole, he was in trouble. At the quarter pole, he was in trouble. At the eighth pole, he was getting beat. 
at the 16th pole, you knew he was going to win. <laughs> and it, he's such a grindy, grindy type in terms of like his, his determination. Yes. You know what I mean? He's got that turn of foot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but he's, he's got that turn of foot to kind of, he was out of position. The turn of foot got him into position. And then he sustained in a grindy fashion yes. to kind of, to kind of run him down. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it was a quick turn of foot that got him to the lead. The, the turn of foot brought him back into position where he had a, even a shot of winning. Um, and then I'm just going to go on a, on a, on a ramble case about Casa Creed. Really? First of all, you know, a point that, that we made on the show quite a bit, and, and I know a lot of people were probably at the track, so they didn't see it, but like, you know, Lafitte set me up nicely to make the point that like he's run at Saratoga six summers in a row. Casa Creed has. So this point that like, you know, a 16-year-old kid could have come to the racetrack, saw Costa Creed run, bet on him that day, and then as a 22-year-old, you know, first job out of college, bringing his college friends, could come back and watch Costa Creed again. Like, that's a huge thing that we miss in this game in terms of, of fan engagement and, and keeping fans involved and making people fall in love with the game. But it's like also like we got to see Flightline and Justify run six times each. Costa Creed made his 30-second start on Saturday, which is freaking outstanding. The second part is like how emotional it was for Lee Einsiedler. You know, I know a lot of people don't know the story, but Lee lost his son and his uh, daughter-in-law. And a few days later, Casa Creed won here. And so forever, this horse is tied to that memory for Lee in, in a negative and a positive way, right? Like a, in a negative way that it reminds him of that time that in his life where he lost his son but also reminds him of, and he said it in the show of like this, this opportunity to, 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 to kind of not turn the page, but like understand that life kind of goes on after you lose someone that you love. Um, and so, you know, it was an emotional thing for me to see Lee and to see Costa Creed win because he's just so in love with this horse. And then the last ramble that I'll make, and we did it the other day on the show, which I'm sure was, 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 was bad TV, but we did it anyways. We talked for 10 minutes about how bad we wish the Breeders' Cup turf sprint was down the hill and how Costa Creed absolutely couldn't lose. Um, but his style, he would never lose down the hill. I take your point about how good he'd look down the hill, but at this point, can you really rule out that he'd just be a contender in the normal configuration of the mile? I mean, who knows what sort of heavy hitters they're going to be sending over from Europe, but... At this point yep. on his class, I mean, this horse is a contender in the Breeders' Cup mile. Well, what, yeah, one of the things I said about the mile is, well, first of all, Bill Mott was on record of saying that he appreci- he wished that it was a little bit more firm. Well, he's going to get firm in California. And I do know this. I know that he is right there, right on the edge of being a 100-buyer type. Now, usually that race is one, you know, 102, 103. I think Modern Games is a 104, 105 type of horse. And that race, the Breeders' Cup mile, is usually one with that kind of, you know, mid, you know, 104-ish number. But one thing I do know for certain about Casa Creed is he's going to show up and he's going to try hard. Yes. And, and I think that, there, that, that, to me, a horse that can run 100, who is in a race where a horse is running a 105, and you know he's going to try hard, that might take him to get to that number. It could pull him there. Yep. Um, I mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't ignore him. I talked to Lee the other night. I saw him out and about, and he said that he said they're going to train up. So he said he's a seven-year-old. He doesn't need a prep anymore. He, he understands what his job is. We know how to get him fit. So he's going to be coming in fresh and ignored 
Um, that's for sure. Yeah, I think he'll be a huge price. And, you know, we had questions about his stamina for a long time. But I, I just think whether we were just completely wrong or he's just with age gotten to the point where he's doing better going longer. I mean, clearly this horse is extremely serious and just one of the easier ones to root for because of what you said he just he's everything you like in a racehorse sticking around that longevity for fans is so great and the trying every time he's just he's just incredibly charismatic very easy to like and that's even putting aside the the incredible backstory if you're annapolis uh, do you what do you i mean what's annapolis's path to being better than casa creed at this point um i think annapolis's path is is a stiffly run mile like a like a stamina laden mile like where he he has to you know he's got to really you know he's got to really bring his stamina into the mix the, the other thing that annapolis might want to do is i mean i trust todd pletcher but like i don't, I don't know maybe maybe kind of kind of flop around in, in, in these mile and an eighth races mm-hmm. i think maybe a more stamina driven race might be better for him um rather than you know i that's you know i mean that's that that would be my guess with annapolis i mean he's good but i mean i don't think i mean did anyone ever think annapolis was going to win the mile anyways right he's just not quite just not quite fast enough it feels like i mean he is younger i I mean he's right he's 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 right there i i guess maybe that's an unfair assessment what i like but i think part of it is is just him continuing to grow up and maybe them figuring out what running style he wants right now you know, it, yeah. whether it's trying to get some of that speed back or, you know, maybe he does become a little bit more of a closer. Maybe that does increase his late speed. Obviously, they're in the right hands to, to figure it out, whatever they decide to do. I thought that the Saratoga Special, actually, I'll give, we'll give it the proper name for, for the shout out, Herb Molis Memorial Saratoga Special Grade 2. This was a race that I was very surprised by the betting. I mean, you had made sort of a, a, a wise guy case for Hall on the show, but I mean, did you ever think rhyme schemes would be over even money and Hall would be two to one? I mean, the betting just shocked me, especially with earlier on the card, uh, the horse that had run second to Hall, uh, disappointing as have so many that came out of that race. By the time the race came around, you know, even though I'd given a, I, I stuck to my guns with Hall because I hate giving out a horse on TV in the morning and then getting off it. I just think even though that's what you have to do gambling wise, I feel like as a pundit, it's tough, but I heavily signaled to people that even money on rhyme schemes was a very good price and that I was expecting it to be one to two or three to five. Were you surprised by the betting? Did it change how you approached this race, the Saratoga well, Special? Well, first of all, Pete, uh, therapy session. Well, come lay down on my couch for a second. <laughs> you got to get over that. And I don't, I, you got, you, you, it's, 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 it's what it is that you're trying to say by sticking to your morning pick is the opposite of what you're trying to say. Because you're saying that you feel bad about leading people astray and then change, but you're doing the same thing when, you're, when your opinion changes by sticking with this thing that you don't actually like. So right. one, you're, you're gonna screw someone over. So right. why don't you just be honest <laughs> and say how you feel? Because I, 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 I could care less what we, if I say, I, I, and I've gotten in trouble once about it, I think. I think one person complained. I think maybe you got a complaint once. And I feel like maybe, maybe like Tony Alivato got a complaint once, but Tony like just told me like, Hey, just be careful. Like what you say before the show and then changing. But like, I don't care because if I information, there was new information. Yes. I mean, I liked hall. I liked hall 
when Hall was going to be three to one because they were going to make rhyme schemes one to five off of that 94 buyer. And when they came up a little bit more equal, then I, I mean, I didn't change my pick. I stuck with Hall because I still thought there was value with Hall, but I don't, I, I am over that. Now I will say this, my, my, my reasoning for wanting to beat rhyme schemes was 100% right. Okay. He ran like a 94 buyer at Ellis on a, on a racetrack that everyone knows has been forward and speed favoring. And then he comes back and he absolutely romps in more impressive fashion in a grade two at Saratoga. And he runs 10 points slower on the buyer scale. Yep. He 100% was bias aided at Ellis and he 100% took a step back. The problem is, is no one else took a step forward. And I thought Hall was going to take that step forward. I thought he was going to make a progression. He had worked, he had outworked pirate who I think is going to probably be the second choice or third choice for the hopeful now, depending on if Ryan schemes runs. I mean, pirate was one of the most impressive two-year-olds we've seen, especially from the male variety here at Saratoga all summer. So like, you know, I just, the pricing on the board was, which was, which was what was wrong. People just didn't believe in rhyme schemes. And I think a lot of that has to do with spending the summers here all the time. Shippers do not get the same love as Todd Pletcher trained, Chad Brown trained, Christoph Clement trained, Brad Cox trained, Saratoga based horses. They don't get the same love and, and, and respect. And that's exactly what we saw with Norm's horse with, uh, with rhyme schemes. And that's only going to become more of a thing with the, these Kentucky horses being more and more live. You know, we've talked about how, you know, Kentucky's making these efforts to become more of a year round circuit. It's not just like we've seen with some of these turfway horses shipping into Keeneland too. It's not, these aren't some weak sister tracks at this point. They're running for a lot of money and those horses can definitely ship and win. Anything else from Saratoga on Saturday or should we move on to uh, a little bit of Sunday chatter? Uh, I, yeah, we can go Sunday. I can't think of anything else on Saturday. I can't think of any like big maidens or anything that kind of grabbed my attention. Yeah, it was a, it was a mellow and, and Sunday ended up being pretty, it ended up pretty, being a pretty mellow day. We did have the return to the races of looms boldly. And, you know, this is something you really learn, you know, behind the scenes stuff of how hard it sometimes is for a horse just to find a race. You know, it was worth taking a shot in an open two, two in an open two other than, you know, he's out of his New York bread conditions. They don't card three-year-old New York bread sprints anymore in the year. I thought there was a chance he was going to get loose. He, uh, but when, as soon as the, the, the horse on the outside was at his throat latch the whole way, you know, it becomes very clear. He's not quite up to that level. I, I thought maybe the pace edge would bring him into it. I did bet the horse at 10 to one, but uh, yeah, I mean, a tough pace scenario probably doesn't want to go seven and probably needs a little bit easier and anything else to add. No, once I kept looking at it, I thought his pace figure, I thought there was a chance he was going to get a little sneaky in there. But I think that like, I think the seven versus tough is, is too tough for him. Yeah. I think maybe six versus tough where he can kind of get, you know, get loose out there. Um, it could be, could be his game, but I think six versus his friends, he's, he's going to always be tough, you know? And, and so, um, but I agree. I thought that was, a, I thought that was a pretty tough spot. I haven't talked to the team, but I wonder if, uh, you know, trying to find some six furlong stuff out of town where he fits a little bit more on figures. And, you know, the brother, Whittington Park, he ran third later on in the card. I mean, they, they're, he, I, I like the fact that somebody else in the family, I think the family had a rep early on for, for maybe not being as good older. But I mean, boy, what a fun thing to think about this horse, you know, potentially getting better. 
He doesn't need to improve that much to have the right pace scenario to be maybe competitive in a two other than going six. We'll see. Uh, it's just been such a fun ride. Got to thank the friends from 10 Strike and, and also from Adelphi Racing. We had Matt Kateron the other day. I mean, to have been in the paddock twice, uh, you know, to this meet with runners I'm so connected to. It's just, it's such a great thrill. It really adds the experience. If you had told me 25 years ago, longer actually, when I first started coming up here, that would be able to be with friends in the paddock, uh, taking a look at these horses and, and having runners in these races. It's just you know, it's a it's a thrill. It's worth something more than money to me, Jonathan. You know what I'm saying? Of course. I mean, of course. Like, like, I mean, just being up here and 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 you know, I remember, you know, sneaking in through Shake Shack trying to figure out how I was going to get in. <laughs> now, now we're you know, I get to you know, be in the paddock like you said. It's it's um, but that's one of the yeah, but that's, you know, that's 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 some of the cool stuff that Adelphi has to offer too. You know, and Ten Strike like. You know, ten strikes a little bit more. I think they're. I would, I would consider them a little bit more private in terms yeah, of like their involvement. Part. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you if you really want to participate, I think reaching out to Marshall and, and talking to Marshall and Clay, they could probably make room for you. But it's not as like, it's not as it's not as come one come all as Adelphi is. So, but I think they both serve a, a, an outstanding purpose. But you know, getting involved like that, I think makes 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 it a, a very good experience. What else happened this weekend, or should we start I, talking about tomorrow? Yeah, well, look, I, I got to look. Tyler Gaffleone, I it's shocking to me how well he's doing. Not because I don't think that he's good, but because he's you know he spent a lot of time in Kentucky and in Florida, and then to come in here into New York and to have the success he's having, looking at the current standings, Irad has 34 wins. Louis has 27 wins. Tyler has 24. Jose has 23. But the thing between Tyler and Jose is, is Tyler has 113 starts. Jose has 114. So it's not as if, I mean, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me the amount of success that Tyler's had um, here at the meet. You know, it's just, 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 it's It's notable. Yeah, no, for sure. You get value for money with him. He, and he's putting, he's finding, he's, he's just in tune. You know, you see some of the, 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 the holes he's finding and some of the tactics he's choosing it does feel like I, you know, I mean, I'm almost at that point to to give a give a little bit of automatic upgrade because he's not getting bet in the same way that a rider riding that well typically is. Is that fair to say? No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think he does a great job, and I think just the fact that he's 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 doing it with 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 horses that you know he's not doing it with one to five shots, right? Um, right. And I think earlier we have this new segment on our show, and I'm, I don't remember who sponsors it, but it's like a. Um, ride of the week and, and the first i mean tyler had it two he's had it two or three times already for yeah. ride of the week that's um, hard to do up here you know yeah there's yeah, a lot yeah. of competition yeah no doubt no doubt <laughs> um what else is going on socially this week well we've got this big carryover tomorrow and we were actually going to do that today but with some weather uncertainty and th- i think it's three of the six races are on the turf I say we try to do that. If you're game tomorrow, maybe after scratches, just bang yep. out 15 minutes on it. No problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I'm on late, so like we could. Oh, the scratches will come at 10:30. I mean, actually, production meeting in the middle of the show. I'll um, maybe we just wait to get the scratches and then we, you know, bang, we hit it. Yeah, I love that idea. TRF barbecue. That's next week. We're gonna have Kim on later in the show to uh, let us know about some of the silent auction items if people want to bid by proxy you'll be out there i'll be out there that's that's always a fun night 
they uh, I'm not I think they are going to put a limit there it's going to be a bigger crowd than last year but it's not you can't wait till the last minute if you want to get involved in terms of attending trfinc.org slash players Kim will tell you more about that later on I'm going to Toronto this weekend and that's actually a good um, a good segue to our next segment going to have Jim Lawson from Woodbine on to talk a little bit about uh, King's Plate Week. I'll, I'm sad to miss our friends who will be running in the Alabama. JK obviously will have plenty of coverage of both King's Plate Day and Alabama Day later in the week as well. Any closing thoughts before we let you get out of here? Uh, is is is, is Kalik running? I haven't I haven't seen the entries yet. I'm but sure. that would I mean, be... if the horses. The horse is well. I'm sure he is. I just hadn't I hadn't seen if he's been working or not. But we'll we'll know. We'll know. I'll I'll check with Bob and see. Yeah, we'll know um, in a hurry. But I think Kalik is a very interesting item in there. Should uh, should should he turn up? That that race is uh, that race is looking pretty good. It looks like it's going to be a very good um, edition of the King's Plate. And we'll talk about that more next in our next segment. J.K. We'll talk to you soon. Horseshoe Indianapolis. Listen to its supporters and remove the straight fire six jackpot from the wagering menu and has replaced it with a second pick five. Now, the first five thoroughbred races will include a pick five, as will the last five, the late fire five. Both wagers are separate pools with separate carryovers, and both have an industry low takeout of 11.99%. Horseshoe Indianapolis will hold a contest December 2nd with the top four advancing to the NHC Finals at Horseshoe in Las Vegas, March 15th to 17th, 2004. Full details and rules will be available soon. It's a huge weekend of racing up at Woodbine. I'm going to be heading up there. Can't wait. The great racing north of the border has great races all summer long, highlighted by a plethora of graded stakes and the King's Plate, one of the signature races coming up this weekend. Stay tuned for action-packed coverage of the prestigious race and a great card on Sunday, August 20th. Do not miss out on the action. For more information, go to woodbine.com. Next up on the show, a man we bring in ahead of the big weeks when it comes to racing at Woodbine Entertainment. He's the CEO up there. He's Jim Lawson. Jim, how are things? Peter, things are wonderful. Thank you for asking. Exciting week here. I'm pumped. And, you know, it takes something special to get me to leave Saratoga during the meet. That's what's happening. I'm coming up there to get to see you and the team and this great weekend of racing. We're expected. Going to even get up to Mohawk, I think, for my maiden voyage up there Saturday night. But, of course, when it comes to racing north of the border this weekend, all about the Kings plate in this card you guys have assembled. What's the attitude? What are the vibes around the place? What can we look forward to seeing on Sunday? Well, the vibes are great. Uh, we, uh, what you can look forward to, uh, first off, is a big field. Uh, we're restricted to uh, 17 horses because of our gates and, and the width of our, our track, but uh, we will have a full 17 uh, currently, we have 23 wanting to enter. Um, we will put three on the also eligible. Uh, entries close tomorrow morning at 8.30, and anyone drawing in, I guess, could draw in until 11.30 on, on Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to go as race 10, and um, we're sold out. How's that for how, – how's that? I mean, that's uh, – uh, we're five days ahead of the race, and uh, we have a big – a big grandstand and a big piece of property and we are now sold out. So all our seats are gone. So that's, that's uh, unprecedented in my 15 years to be sold out so early. 
that's great. Yeah, clearly, the decision to uh, move the date seems to be working out between the amount of horses looking to enter and that and that sellout. Why do you think this date ended up being superior for you and for the horsemen as opposed to the the earlier, more traditional around July first date? Well, I, I believe. Uh, I mean, it it it. it largely occurred, of course, uh, as a result of the pandemic. So I can't suggest any brilliance on our part. Um, but uh, when we moved it back, it was, wow, this really worked. And I think the reason, Peter, that it really works is we have uh, so many of the Ontario-based uh, trainers that are now staying home as opposed to uh, going to in particular Gulfstream and uh, probably less so at fairgrounds than it used to. And now there, there are just less choices than there used to be and things are getting more expensive. And I think a number of them are staying home and to get a three-year-old ready to go a mile and a quarter at the end of the June off, uh, off training in the spring at Woodbine, um, it's just less likely to have as many horses ready by the end of June as the, uh, as the, August 20th. And that's what's happened here is, is after seeing it, we said, wow, um, we're having a lot more horses interested, not just in the first leg, uh, uh, the King's plate of the triple crown, but all the legs of the triple crown. We had a huge field last year for the breeder stakes. Uh, and, uh, it just gave everyone, uh, more time to get ready. And as I said, in particular, the Ontario based horses and trainers that uh, have decided not to go south. Makes perfect sense. Now, obviously, a little bit of intrigue around this being the first running of the King's Plate in, oh, quite so many years. What has been the uh, relationship with with dealing with the, the British government? I assume they'll have a, an emissary there on uh, on Sunday as well. Just Curious to hear how how the the adjustment from Queen's Plate to King's Plate has gone for for you and the team. Well, it, it's gone very well. Uh, first off, the the uh, royalty will re- be represented by Her Honor Elizabeth Dowdswell on Sunday, the Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. Uh, Her Honor will arrive in the Royal Landau, a horse drawn carriage, and all the traditions will will be present. So you'll see all of that. And it's, it's, it's fun and it's a spectacle. Um, we certainly have had uh, coordinated discussions uh, with and through Buckingham Palace on, uh, on the, the, the name change from the Queen's Plate to the King's Plate. And, uh, and we're also planning on uh, honoring uh, Her Majesty uh, on Sunday and beyond that, um, because she was such a great patron and supporter of, of horse racing and, and also in, I won't say in particular Woodbine, but definitely Woodbine. She, she raced horses here. Uh, she came to four Queens plates and, uh, and certainly, um, I, I mentioned that in part because it was a, in, in some ways it was a tough decision because we had been really enjoying the success of the Queen's Plate uh, the last five years. But the right thing to do was to keep that living and breathing uh, relationship with the monarchy in, in terms of the uh, operation of this race. And, and that's what we've done. And, and uh, 
it, it's it's gone very well. As I said, there's a there's a buzz this year that uh, is uh, is unprecedented in terms of selling out so far in advance of the big day. That is great. And yeah, surely there'll be another way to to honor her uh, down the line with in the form in some other form. You told me that amazing story that I've repeated to several people about your having an audience with her several years ago and, and her really wanting to talk about uh, that northern dancer blood. I thought that was so cool. <laughs> Yeah, it it really was. Uh, she she was genuinely curious, not just showing. Not, I would say not just showing me she that she knew her stuff. She was genuinely uh, intellectually curious and very knowledgeable, and it was fascinating for me. A proper proper racing fan for sure, and it's great to see that relationship continuing. I do want to talk to you more about breeding and what you've got going on, but before we do that, let's talk about what the supporting card around this loaded Kings plate looks like. Well, yeah, that we're going to, uh, we're doing a double entry uh, uh, on, uh, on tomorrow. Um, we're going to have the, of course, the Kings plate on Sunday going as race number 10 at, at five forty Eastern. Uh, there will be three other stakes on the undercard for sure. Um, one will be the grade two dance smartly, uh, which will be a mile and a 16th on our outside EP Taylor turf course. Um, very much expecting that last year's Queens plate winner Moira, uh, will be the, the favorite in the dance smartly. We also expect to run this, the soaring free stakes and the catch a glimpse stakes for the, for the, uh, the boys and the girls, respectively, six and a half furlongs on that outside turf course. Those are two key preps uh, for the Grade One summer and the and the Natalma coming up on September sixteenth on Mile Weekend, and a couple of other possible stakes. There's a double draw. We'll have there's a Boiled Venture, a Sprint on the Tapita, which is a Grade Three, and the Sweet Sweetbriar Two, which is a listed stakes six and a half on the turf for three and up fillies and mares. So it's it's going to be. Uh, we're going to have likely four stakes races, including, as they say, uh, the, the dance smartly and the soaring free and the catch a glimpse. But uh, sounds great. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a terrific card. And, you know, sure. Sunday, great, great to have such top class stuff on a, on a Sunday as well. That's great for racing fans. Now, you know, I'm obviously way too early to ask you to give anything along the way of a selection in the King's Plate, but I'll just ask it this way. Who are some of the horses you're particularly looking forward to seeing in there? Well, I, uh, I, I think it's always interesting for me, uh, for, the, for the Canadian Oaks winner, Elysian Fields uh, this year to square off against the Queen's Plate trial winner, which is Paramount Prince trained by Mark Cassie. Um, in, in both cases, I, I think the, the this boys against the girls has become a bit of a theme. And four of the last nine plates have been won by Phillies. And yep. so uh, we're looking looking forward to that. Chad Brown is is uh, is sending up Kalik. Um, we'll have Kazushi Kimura ride and and could be the morning line favorite. Uh, so it it's uh it, it's going to be a big day. Uh, Castellano uh, Javier is coming up to ride Stanley House for Mike DiPaolo. and uh, so it, it's uh those are some of them. But with seventeen horses. It's it's a big field and and while I gave you 3 or 4 there it is wide open I would say. 
We're going to have plenty of coverage later in the week on the network. We're going to get some stuff in writing and, of course, special podcast coverage as well. Before I let you go, just wanted to ask you about uh, what's been going on with your horses. And, you know, I know you're very involved on the breeding side as well. If there's any first-year sires you've been particularly attuned to, I know that's a specialty of yours trying to get out ahead uh, with with some of those in, in terms of ones that are going to be particularly successful. Yeah, listen, I, I, uh, I'm not so sure I'm out ahead on, on this one. Uh, Mrs. Barbara, who we've talked about before, who was the two-year-old uh, Canadian champion filly, uh, she is in full to McKinsey, who I like. I mean, he's a, he's a big, big, well-bred horse. Uh, I've got a couple of mares in full to McKinsey. Um, I bought a, a mare from Godolphin of, of one of their great families, a mare named Lucknow. And, um, she, uh, she, I've got a, a, a full share of Peter going with, with, uh, for street sense. Uh, with, uh, with that one. And then in terms of racing, I had, uh, have a three-year-old, um, which we nominated for the, 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 uh, King's plate. And uh, I decided, uh, I won't say reluctantly, Mark uh, Cassie wanted me to keep the horse here, I think, but, uh, I sent him out for the Canadian Derby. Uh, and, uh, he's raced once out in Edmonton. He's with Tim Rycroft out in Edmonton right now, and he's training really well. Unfortunately, he uh, we'll have to see whether he gets in. He's got uh, good earnings, but they're allowance type earnings at, at Woodbine. Uh, he was only beaten three three lengths in the Queenston Stakes, which was one of the key preps for the for the King's Plate. But uh, my dad won the the uh, the Canadian Derby in 1984, and for sentimental reasons, I thought we'd we'd go out there. And so um, that's that's the highlight of my racing world right now. And and hopefully, uh, hopefully he'll draw into the Canadian Derby uh, on August 26th, and uh, and we'll just keep trying with with the breeding, Peter. It's it's Love a tough it. game, as everyone knows. What's the name of the three year old? His name is One for Chap. Love it. And then yeah, McKinsey, we're definitely big fans of around here. Uh, our friends at, uh, at Gainesway have been following very closely how well they've been uh, they've been selling so i think you you, you might have uh, you might be in the right in the right place there we'll see how we'll see how it all works out always a pleasure to have you on to talk about your own horses and of course everything going on up there at woodbine entertainment anything else people need to know ahead of this sunday we can't sell any more tickets but maybe uh if there's anything special going on wagering wise well yeah i mean uh... I, uh, it's going to be a big day. I mean, we're having, we've got a 250,000 guaranteed middle pick five, uh, a late pick five and a late pick four, all 250,000 guarantees. We've got a, uh, a power pick six for races eight through 13. And we've got a mandatory payout on our jackpot with a $340,000 carryover. So on that mandatory I am expecting will definitely be a, over a million dollars on the mandatory payout on the uh, on the jackpot uh, high five, which will be a, on, on the on the final race of the day. Yeah, so it's it's there's there's lots of great wagering opportunities. I you know I I I, I reluctantly say that we're going to have big handle here on Sunday. That's for sure. And uh, whether it'll be record to handle or not, I don't like to put too much pressure on our gang. But it will be extremely good handle and and hopefully record handle. 
fingers crossed for good weather. One of the things that makes track executives look like geniuses, of course. And uh, I'm looking forward to being there. We're going to be part of that handle, as will many of the people within the sound of my voice. Jim, look forward to seeing you in person and uh, Godspeed. Same to you. Excited to have you up here. I'll be the guy with the, the top hat on. <laughs> I, I don't have mine in Saratoga. Mine's, mine's down in Brooklyn. Otherwise, I might be joining you. <laughs> okay. We look forward to seeing you. Thanks for having me on. We're very excited to be partnered with Naira for the rest of 2023, where we'll feature Saturday racing coverage each week on the Players Podcast, as well as daily write-ups and analysis at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Also, be sure to look for our picks on the Naira website under their Picks, Plays, and Promotions tab. And if you are looking to follow along via America's Day at the Races and across the Fox family of networks, you can find out where they are every day by visiting our pretty link on our site, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Slash TV. So I have a couple of confessions to make here at the end of the show. One is the technology has not been behaving. And I have tried and tried to get Kim Weir to come on the show today. And I'm almost positive it's on my end and it just hasn't worked out. So I promised Kim earlier we're going to have her back on the late week show instead. Uh, the other thing I'm upset about is I told you to buy your tickets for the barbecue at the barn. And I guess this is good news. They're sold out. All 500 seats are gone. But that doesn't mean there isn't important information for you to have regarding the barbecue at the barn. And we'll get into more detail with this with Kim later in the week. But I just want to let you know, you're going to be able to bid by proxy uh, for the silent auction. And there are some awesome silent auction items. If you want to know how to get established with your proxy, you can reach out to Kim directly through the TRF or reach out to me the contact page over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. That goes straight to my personal email, and I will also help get you set up because we had a lot of proxy bidding last year, and there's some great items, and there's more than I can list. Ultimately, they're going to be up on our page and elsewhere on the TRF site. That's trfinc.org slash players. Probably starting Wednesday morning, you can see the finalized items. But a few sneak previews, and we'll start with one that I'm really pumped about and may well end up bidding on myself which is for a morning at the track with Ramon Dominguez. If you're one of those people who wonders what you should be looking at when you see horses move, Ramon is a guy whose opinion you want to hear. He's very sharp, obviously. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got a lot of great stories. He has a real connection to horses. This is going to be a magical morning out there at Saratoga with Ramon. If you can outbid me, maybe you can go. Uh, What else? Richard Migliori has been doing dinners is an accomplished cook. If you follow him on social media, you see how good the stuff he makes is, and he'll cook for you. And of course, that's going to come with a lot of great racetrack stories and knowledge about handicapping and equine physicality and you know a career worth of amazing stuff from Richie. That's another one you're going to want to be bidding on. Frank Miramati is going to take people on a tour of the Saratoga Roof, the best place to watch races in the whole joint. Hang out with Frank, who's amazingly charismatic and funny dude. You will absolutely love meeting him if you're any kind of horse racing fan. Plus, you're going to get the best pictures you can imagine if you pick the right weather day up on the roof at sunny Saratoga. And last but not least, I'll put in a plug for my item. We're going to do another whiskey tasting, and this is one we can cater to your needs. I have a ton of American whiskey, a ton of malt whiskey, both up here in Saratoga and downstate in Brooklyn. We'll create a little dinner. I'm not going to cook as fancy as you're going to get from uh, the MIG, 
But last time we did a really nice uh, chili with some brisket, very mild, so the whiskey flavors could all shine through. But anyway, we'll have some snacks. We'll drink some whiskey. I'll pick whiskeys that you're going to like. And like I said, I mean, I've got hundreds of bottles, so pretty much whatever you're into, I can sort you out. I've got a lot of distillery-exclusive stuff from Scotland and from uh, Kentucky and from around the U.S., frankly. So that would be really fun. You can bid on that to support the TRF. Again, all these items are going to be listed on the pages on the site, trfinc.org, the main site, my page, trfinc.org slash players. Maybe Kim can give you a little bit more insight a little later in the week, but uh, get you don't want to miss these opportunities. This is some real, rare, fun stuff. And of course, it supports an amazing cause, rehoming these uh, thoroughbreds, well, not really rehoming, finding a forever home for these thoroughbreds whose racing and working days are done. And of course, also helping people through the magic of the Second Chances program. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. I'd like to thank all of today's guests, our founding partners, 10 Strike Racing, and of course, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation. I would also like to thank all of you for listening, for making these shows so much fun to do, for subscribing to our free newsletter, for supporting our In The Money Plus service, for giving us five-star reviews wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe even making some comments on some YouTube uh, videos, and also subscribing, rating, and reviewing over there. It really helps other people find the show. And you know what else you can really do to help us out? If you want, tell other people about these shows. Let's make our community even bigger. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. I-